We always rejoice in the opportunity to consider what Christ has done for us on the cross. The cross has several messages for us. One is that God is holy and that he will deal with all sin. And that Christ was holy and never sinned. And therefore was the perfect sacrifice for our sin. The second thing that we see in the cross is that Christ loved us and was willing to die for us, that we could be forgiven for the sin that's in our life that we deal with day in and day out. We know that Christ calls all of us to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. So Christ, didn't, Christ just doesn't save us and wipe away our sin in the, in the fact of a legal transaction. He wants us to begin to walk in holiness. Be holy as I am holy. And he sets that example and he calls us to that. And that's kind of the purpose of what we're talking about here is that the church is full of people who sin every day in word and thought and deed. If that's the case, we should be doing church discipline all the time. The good news is we have the opportunity to repent. And this is what the church needs to be full of is repenting sinners. We should not have to get to the level of going to a public display if we repent and we hate sin and we turn from it. And this is what Christ has saved us for, that we would become more and more like him. And the Lord's Supper is a wonderful opportunity at this church once a month to slow down, put the brakes on, and evaluate our life and to evaluate our sin. It's important when we sin to, to look at that and take the time to realize what it is. The cross of Christ says that is what? Wickedness. It is costly. It was so wicked it cost Christ his life and the wrath of God to set us free from it. And so when we sin, we need to have a right view of sin. That it is wicked. It's wickedness first against God. And then it's wickedness against whoever else around has been involved in that situation. And so it requires that we have godly sorrow. So our first response to our sin is to acknowledge how serious it is, how wicked it is. Second is that it should cause godly sorrow. Sorrow that Christ had to die for that sin. Sorrow that we have offended God. Sorrow that we've not walked humbly and obediently with him. And then it requires repentance. Now, there's two kinds of repentance. There is godly repentance, which means we change direction. We turn to Christ. We pursue him we pursue his righteousness. We put that sin in the rearview mirror and we're running as hard as we can to follow Christ. There's another kind of repentance that we're all guilty of. And that's what I call pragmatic repentance. We get caught or we just feel really bad. And so in order to keep safe face 
and to give a Christian appearance, we go through the motions of, of, of godly sorrow and repentance, but in reality, it's really very self-centered. Uh, it's, it's focused on self. There's really no pursuit of Christ. We're just sorry we got caught. We're sorry that situation happened. And so we make a pretense of sorrow. We make a pretense of repentance. And then we plow on down the road feeling like we've checked the box. The problem is we didn't see sin for what it really was. And we didn't see the offense we had against Christ. And therefore, it's not going to be long before our little gospel car is going to get in the ditch again. Because we never really dealt with that. Godly repentance and godly sorrow come from the Holy Spirit. It takes time for us to reflect on that. And it's so important that we do. Because every sin takes you down the road to destruction and eventually to hell. That's where it goes. If we have a view of sin that it's harmless and it's not a big deal and it shouldn't be, no, why is everybody all upset? Then we have a wrong view of what sin does. Sin takes us to destruction and it will take us to hell. Look at Achan. Achan finds a gold bar and a robe at the destruction of, of Jericho. And God said, don't touch it. And he said, it's not a big deal. I'm just going to grab this and put it in my tent. Israel goes out to battle. They're defeated. And then uh, Joshua starts throwing, casting a lot. And they find out who he is. And they take him and his family, his whole household out, and they stone them to death. Sin is horrible. And a lot of times we don't believe that. So the beauty of the Lord's Supper is there is forgiveness. There is fellowship. But the flip side of it is that we have to deal rightly with our sin. The Bible says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are, who are low in spirit. Blessed are those who pursue righteousness. So today, let's, let's stop and ask ourselves the question, do I have a flippant view of sin? And am I really just being a pragmatic repenter instead of being broken to the heart and then producing genuine godly repentance, which comes from the work of God? No one can be saved with superficial sorrow and pragmatic repentance. For you to truly come to Jesus, the Spirit has to convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment to the point that you're truly sorrowful with a godly sorrow. And then that produces a godly repentance that causes you to run in Christ's direction. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you're going to be sinless. But there's a whole difference in what happens in that person's life, in that trajectory. And then what's the result of that? Joy. Joy in Christ, a love for Christ, a love for His Word, and a clear conscience. 
Isn't it a wonderful thing to have a clear conscience? To walk through the day knowing that something's not going to happen because you did something you shouldn't have done and it's still over here covered up somewhere. The joy of a clear conscience. So as we take the Lord's table today, let's reflect on our own sin. Let's repent by God's grace and let's rejoice in what Jesus has done for us. We always want to rejoice in Christ because he is our hope. He is our answer. Now, we're talking about church discipline. And there's going to be times when somebody that we know falls. They fall into sin. They become entrapped. They really have gotten to the point they can't get out. All they're able to do is give kind of a superficial sorrow and a pragmatic repentance, and they're getting back into it again, 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 again. When they fall, what should our response be? First of all, there should be mourning on our part because of their sin. If we should mourn over our sin, we should what? Mourn over their sin and their condition. Secondly, we should look to our own selves and the sin that's in our life and ask, Lord, have I dealt with this? Have I dealt with this with godly sorrow and true repentance? Because see, when you see somebody else fall, that is a warning from God for you. For me. When we see somebody fall, instead of saying, I can't believe they did that. Or I would never do that. Or is this unbelievable? We should stop and we should look to ourselves. Because we have the same ability as that brother or sister to do that same thing. And we have an opportunity to receive a warning from God that we need to take our sin more seriously. None of us take our sin seriously enough. Amen? None of us do. And so when we see the result of a sin in someone else's life, we should thank God that he's given us a warning. And we should examine our own heart and look to the log in our own eye instead of whatever it is in their life. As Bob said, third, acknowledge before God, except for your grace, there I would go. Except for your grace. And at any point that I get proud and become unaccountable, I can find myself right over there in that same situation. It should cause a fear to come over us. A fear of God. When Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit and God struck them down, the Bible says there was an awe and fear of God that swept not only over the church, but even the people outside the church to the point they didn't even want to join the church. I can understand that. I'm not going to that church. People die there. When we see a brother fall or a sister fall, 
we need to pray for complete repentance. Godly repentance. Just like with us, people don't know if our repentance is godly or what? Pragmatic. And so pray for them and pray for yourself for godly, complete repentance. And then, as God makes this, as God exposes a brother or sister in your congregation or wherever, pray that God will do a work of revival in all of our hearts. That God will use this to cause us all to slow down, examine our own sin, and let the work of the Spirit do what He wants in us. And then finally, rejoice. Rejoice in Christ. Rejoice that He is our hope. Rejoice that He is the one that has set us free from the penalty of sin. He's in the process of setting us free from the power of sin. And one day when he recomes, he will, set, he will take, take away the what? The presence of sin. Let's rejoice in Christ as we take the Lord's table.